This is Dr. Rob Harder with the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast, making your world better. What does it take to be an effective nonprofit leader today? What are the biggest challenges? What are the biggest obstacles? How should nonprofits fundraise in an economy that is constantly changing? All of these reasons combined led me to start this show. And it's my hope that through this series, people can learn not only what it takes to be an effective nonprofit organization, but to hear from effective leaders who are successfully making a positive impact in their communities. We hope you enjoy the show as together we hear how they are making their world better. Donors don't give to organizations, they give to people. Fundraising at its core is relationship building. When a donor gives to your organization, they are giving because there's a relationship with someone in your organization that has prompted them to give. And the stronger that relationship is, the more that donor will give and the more comfortable they are with increasing their giving over time. Here to talk about this dynamic is a very special guest who is both a friend and a leader in the community I happen to live in. My guest today is Karen Marriott. Not only does she personally invest in several nonprofits locally, but she's also a trustee with the Marriott Daughters Foundation. And Karen was raised within a family who has an inspiring legacy of philanthropy, one that continues to shape how and where she gives today. Enjoy today's show. Well, Karen, it is great to have you on the show today. I want to focus our attention on nonprofit leadership, right? And specifically philanthropy, because I know for my listeners, I'll share, Karen's very involved personally in many different nonprofits here locally in Park City, Utah, but also across the country. But of course, you're a trustee also for one of the key foundations that you help lead, the Marriott Daughters Foundation, among many other things that you do. And so again, for my listeners' sake, I really want to focus in on your work as a trustee and what you look for and maybe what your sisters look for and just you come from a line of philanthropists, you know, in your family and uh, give us some insights because most of my listeners are nonprofit leaders, executive leaders, maybe they serve on the board and they're always trying to learn about what are the trends out there? What do foundations look for? What do they want to support? What kind of programs are out there that they really like to get behind? So that's what I like to do. So we'll just start out by maybe just give a little bit of background of yourself. And then tell us about the Marriott Daughters Foundation. Well, thank you, Rob, for having me. Uh, Marriott Daughters Foundation is about 10 years old, technically, I guess, 11, but we really started giving about 10 years ago. And it is me and my sisters. So there, I'm a family of four girls. And, you know, my family has really had a legacy of giving, and they really established our uh, Marriott Daughters Foundation for us as a way to give back, they felt like the best thing that they could actually give us is an opportunity to give. And so, you know, we really honor those funds. They are a gift really from my parents and it's given me and my sisters a really interesting opportunity to, we're all involved in our own communities. We all live in different communities. You know, one sister's in Boston, two are in Southern California and I'm here in Utah. And I think what motivates our giving is where are we involved in our own communities? What are our passions? And, you know, my parents each have their own foundations and 
My mother is very musical. She's an opera singer. Music and the arts is an area of her real passion. My father is early childhood education and they live in Washington, D.C. And how can they lift that community there? And so, you know, for me and where I live in Park City, and I've lived in Park City for 26 years. I've raised three kids here. I'm married to Nathan Rafferty, um, who runs Ski Utah. We met skiing. We have a passion for skiing. We have a passion for the mountains. Um, that's why we're here. And, you know, as I, different phases of my life, I was really different involved in different areas. And my parents with their philanthropy were willing to support my areas of interest and investment. And, you know, they were really mentors to me on how to give and how to be really involved in an organization. So, you know, I think every foundation is going to give differently and you look for the nonprofits that are doing areas of your interest. And for me, it's really evolved into mental health and mental health is something that underlies so many different of the social problems that are in our, in our world, in our community. And as a root, when you back out of substance abuse and you back out of, you know, physical abuse and, there's a real a mental health common denominator to a lot of these issues. And it's something that every family has in their family lines and their, whether it's, you know, mental illness that people are born with or cognitive things that they're born with. Mental health is something that's underlying and is really apparent in almost every family in every community. And so that was something that really sparked my interest and desire. And that's work that where I primaried my focus. I love that. It's really interesting. I do find that most foundations, most philanthropic leaders have a personal pull to a specific area that they tend to focus their money on, but also have often a story that really prompts them to want to give to good nonprofit efforts or philanthropic efforts. And so um, now COVID-19, I've had a lot of people on this show uh, that I've talked about, of course, we're coming out of this pandemic the last two years, although who knows, it seems like numbers are starting to come up in certain parts of the country. From the last two years, how has COVID impacted your foundation in terms of the priorities of where you give? Have you changed your priorities of where you give through your foundation? And full disclosure, by the way, for my listeners, the nonprofit that leads has received uh, foundation money from the Marriott Daughters Foundation. And we've been so grateful. Thank you for that. And it's, you've been so generous during this last two years in particular. I mean, you're generous all the way in the last several years, but certainly the last couple of years, I've seen foundations like your own that have really been perhaps even more generous because the need has been so high, whether it be mental health or food, different things that have popped up because of COVID. Anyway, so for you, as you've made decisions as a trustee, have you changed your priorities or have you just stayed the same? Yeah, you know, I think you are have relationships with nonprofits like yourself with Peace House and with JFS and you know what became a greater need something I hadn't really given to is kind of this basic needs assistance and realizing and really understanding these aspects of different nonprofits that they have these other parts that are really critical to their mission and that really impact our community and also those demands grew increasingly. And the Community Foundation did a really good job raising awareness around that, really spurring our whole community into action around giving to kind of this basic needs assistance. And, you know, we gave directly to you. We gave the Community Foundation to support their efforts that was dispersing it to all the organizations that were doing great work. I, I just think 
we're trying to cut down on red tape and just get it to the people that are doing the work because there was an immediate need, but it still stayed within my focus. You know, it, it stayed within the relationships that we had. And I think that goes to show like, it's really important to have a relationship with your donors, um, whether they be foundations, individuals, families, because hopefully you'll feel comfortable enough to reach out and say, this is a need. But I also understand, you know, sometimes I've started a nonprofit once when your head is down, you are doing the work. And I really appreciate like community foundation recognizing that. And Hey, rather than them managing all this, we're just going to give, we'll take care of all these aspects and we'll just give them chunks of funding. So I, you know, it was a, a slightly different way of giving and more giving too, because there were these immediate needs. I am so impressed how, how kind of the mental health providers really made a transition into telehealth. I mean, it was something I wasn't a total believer in before, to be perfectly honest. Okay, interesting. And yeah. I I saw like that's the only way. That's the only way we're going to get to people. And I was talking to Peace House, and they're you know they're working with people that are in really critical, threatening situations, and they needed help. And I, I even heard from your organization about, you know, everybody was having a mental health crisis. <laughs> I, if you weren't, wow, good on you. But I mean, I know it was a test on relationships. I mean, you got to, you know, it's how they're going to make or break your relationship to be locked in the house with somebody for, you know, four straight months. <laughs> that alone so, can cause I mean, mental I went looking for my counselor. I was like, I, I could have a few conversations right now. Absolutely. And so I think everybody, <laughs> it raised the awareness around mental health. We had to become you know, when we all had our own little breakdowns, like for me, I'm such a planner that I had to unplan and cancel events I put time and money and energy into. And just this frustration, it really led to some depression and, you know, strange coping mechanisms. <laughs> and I think we all realized we talk so much about our physical fitness. Do we talk about our mental fitness? And what do what do we do? You know, if if I've got diabetes, I'm gonna go in, I'm gonna get a pump, I'm gonna get insulin. But what do we do when our our brain needs help and is frustrated? And I think it gave a level of compassion and understanding that I think broke down a lot of biases around it. And you know, for me, it was my same area. I think it made everybody across all lines realize how important mental health is. I do think it's was pot, you know, all these crises can also have some positive ramifications as raising awareness, the nonprofits that are out there serving the people in times of crisis, they're serving them all the time, but increasing that. And so how can we best support those organizations? So, you know, that's how we looked at it. We basically stayed within our same group, but we increased that level and we tried to get rid of all the red tape so we could get funds more quickly to people. That's perfect. Well, and interestingly, I noticed a trend that really started happening during COVID that people like yourself, your foundation, the Park City Community Foundation, and I've talked to leaders across the country and they saw the same trend that donors were more willing to give unrestricted gifts. In other words, I think for a long time, fundraising uh, gurus would say, you know, you really want to appeal to donors that want to give to a specific program that you have. And therefore they give a very restricted gift to a specific program. And yet I saw this trend again, particularly the last two years where people are much more comfortable with just giving that unrestricted gift because it goes back to what you said before. You just had a sense. We wanted to get money to people, to nonprofits so we can get to people that were in need as quickly as possible. So you remove those barriers and often those came in the form of unrestricted gifts. 
Is that a trend you think that will continue or is that more of a crisis response because of COVID and will people go back to more of that restricted focused giving? What's your take on that from your perspective? Well, I I think I have an understanding. I've worked in enough nonprofits. I've done a ton of fundraising just as Karen, not as Marriott Daughters Foundation for schools, for different nonprofits. I've sat on boards for, I understand that to run an organization, you know, it's really great and sexy to invest in the new tables and chairs in a school or something like that, you know, but there are all these not so sexy operations that have to happen so that kids can sit in those, you know, chairs, new chairs and flashy things that stand out front. But there's just so much that goes behind the scenes. So I've actually always believed in nonprofit giving to nonprofits unrestricted. But I also, we do have specific fo- focuses, you know, most organizations. And so I see it as some trend, but I also see that always be in. I mean, every organization, every nonprofit that I know of has kind of focus areas. And maybe within that focus area, just general mental health, we'll give you an unrestricted fund. But we really want to see these areas grow. As I sat down and talked with, you know, Leah, who runs your counseling center and other individuals in their nonprofits and their, like, they need more staff, they need more clinicians. They, and I, rather than getting focused on something else, I am happy to give it in an unrestricted way to this area of focus. And so I, I don't know if that will really change, but I think it's really important to raise the awareness is there is so much that goes to run an organization and there's so many things that have to be accomplished so that they can actually then go and do their mission. And so I do believe in unrestricted gifts, but I also am mission focused. And for me, I want to see more providers in this community, greater access to those that have it. And so if I can give in a general way and let you figure out how you want to best use that within this scope, that's how I I see it. And, and, and many of those that have foundations, I, I think that remains also their focus. No, very helpful. Thank you for that. Now, for a lot of my listeners, they are in the roles of executive director, as I mentioned, or a development director position. If you were to coach nonprofit leaders and development departments specifically, what are some of the most important questions you like to ask organizations in order to really get the heart of what they really need and what makes their organization tick, so to speak? Well, I love data. <laughs> I I really love data and um, Catherine at your organization can attest to that because I'm always asking. <laughs> I love it. You know, where are you seeing what how are the numbers supporting what you're telling me? How is how I'm giving impacting that? Can we track change? Can we see that what we're giving is really creating a different outcome. And that for me comes in numbers. And, and so I think showing the data, showing what where the need is, and then being able to chart that over time to see where you're making a dent in that progress is, I think, is, is really important. And, and I know our organization values that. And me as a donor and as a director of our foundation, I value that. I think open lines of communication are really important. 
And it was interesting. I went and talked to around this question to those that actually run our foundation. We have staff that run Marriott Daughters Foundation. And they said they really appreciate when development leaders reach out. It's not just once a year for the ask or once a year for the recap. They just keep them up to date on what's going on. And I think that builds a relationship of trust. And then when you know something like COVID happens, you have a comfortable relationship as a development director. You reach out to these organizations you actually have relationships with. And you say, in short, this is what's happening. This is where we need help. And I think that really benefits your organization. And even individually, you know, and as a fundraiser, often myself, I realize, you know, you want to have conversations that aren't just about giving. You want to also just check in like, hey, I'm just checking in, first of all, to say thank you, or I'm just checking in to, you know, give you an update. This is some of the good stuff that's going on. And actually, it's okay to hear about some of the challenges. These are some of the challenges. Like employment is a huge challenge right now, you know, and it gets us thinking like, how can we help support that? You know, I, having conversations with several mental health organizations recently, you know, the housing conversation really came up and it, you know, one of the big barriers to getting great clinicians and staff and APRNs and is, you know, you can only pay somebody so many benefits for so long until, you know, they're going to be tired of driving an hour. Like the housing is a really, and so that came up multiple times in my discussions, you know, with those that are in development. And that gets me thinking, you know, I, I, I didn't really respond to that conversation, but it gets my mind thinking. And, you know, since then I've met with Mountainlands and I've met with other partners, like, how can we help if this is our goal and these are the barriers, you know, use philanthropy, use your donors to help you sometimes solve some of these things. So it doesn't hurt to say what are the challenges, not just what the successes are. So I think that is important is keeping an open line of communication and it just builds relationships. And we know you don't just give to an organization, you give to people. Yeah, that's a critical one. Yes. And that is a really important, you need to feel a, a level of trust and you build that through building a relationship. We'll be right back. This episode is sponsored by Arts Midwest. They have launched a new podcast called Filling the Well. The Filling the Well podcast has been created to nourish, provoke, and inspire. Hear from creative change makers as they share their takes on how to shift power, avoid burnout, build community, share resources, and advocate for support. You can visit artsmidwest.org slash filling the well. Again, that's artsmidwest.org slash filling the well. Hey friends, thanks so much for listening to the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast. If this is your first time listening to us, I want to make sure you're aware of a whole group of other episodes with fascinating guests that I previously interviewed. Just go to our website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. There you'll find numerous interviews of nonprofit leaders from all over the country and even from different countries, all trying to make their world better. I also want to encourage you to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with others. This will help us get this great content out to more nonprofit leaders just like you. Now, finally, if you want to get my monthly email update that contains more resources in addition to these episodes, it's really easy. Just go to my website at nonprofitleadershippodcast.org and simply type your email address in the top right-hand box and you'll be added to our monthly email update. And this way, you'll never miss any of the interviews or extra content from this show. 
And if you have any questions or comments, do not hesitate to email me. Thanks again for listening. Now back to the show. So you found as a trustee of a foundation, and obviously you're on the other side too, you've been a fundraiser too for nonprofits, but you love it as a donor when the organization comes to you in a proactive way to share, update, you know, not just that once a year ask, but also update and share what's going on, but include the challenges. Don't just talk about the successes. Hey, we're doing great over here and over here. But by the way, this is a real challenge. You're okay with that. You're not, that doesn't offend you, number one. And also it doesn't, yeah. No, no, I think it's, I think it helps us problem solve. I mean, we're in this sort of business to help problem solve to help people that are doing the work and let us use, you know, and I may not have all these resources, but my office, the Marriott Daughters Foundation office works with all these different communities outside of Utah that see, you know, like early education, you know, they do a lot with DC and they are, you know, how do we recruit great leaders? And they figured out some things. They're working with lots of different organizations. So I think when you reach out to those offices, especially, you can gain insights into other areas that might cross over and might help your organization and help them problem solve by using how another area of focus has figured that out. No, I love that's a great idea. Good suggestion. Okay, sticking on the advice kind of theme, when it comes to your foundation, and again, you interact with other foundations, obviously your family has multiple foundations. And uh, Do you have a sense in the next six months or even up to the next two years, are there trends and themes coming through where you feel like these are one, two, three, four areas where you sense a lot of donors like yourself are focusing money? You've mentioned mental health. That is a growing crisis in our country, of course. Is that one of the primary ones? And if so, are there other areas of need that you feel like keep coming up in your conversations with other foundations? You know, I mean, we just had a shooting this last week. You know, the discussion of race and social justice and equality. Yeah. I mean, those are real. I mean, those, that is something I just came back from a full tour of the South and better understanding our country's history, you know, and understanding there's some incredible, the Equal Justice Initiative has done incredible museums and memorials helping educate people about the African-American experience. But I mean, it goes across all ethnicities. Like we need to better understand other people's experiences so that we can get rid of this racism or, you know, just exclude. I mean, you know, we, DEI has become a buzzword, but, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion is real. Like we do need to understand people's experiences. We do need to address it. We do. I mean, it's interesting, even in these last few years and some of these trends around, you know, there was a lot of stigma even in the Latinx community around getting counseling and services. And that is evolving. Those, the, the people are realizing I need these services. And, you know, I, Aaron from the county who runs the behavioral health part of the county system said, you know, we're 40 to 50 um, mental health counselors short that are Spanish speaking just in Summit County. 40 or 50 short. Wow. 40 or 50 practitioners short in just our county. And so I just think 
recognizing all these communities have needs, all these different race, ethnicities, backgrounds, that as we understand their stories and we are able to actually connect and meet them in a place, you know, of like love and healing, like they're more open to getting the help that they might need. And, and, and just the racial inequality that's been going on in our society for hundreds of years, like it, it's still there. There are still shootings. There are still things happening. So I do think this kind of, we've got to work through, we've got to be better about breaking down these constructs that no longer serve anybody. You know, as we look in within our communities, who are those individuals that the community hasn't served well? So I just think we need to take a better look at who's in our community. How can we understand their story better? And where are their needs? How can we, if we help those groups, it'll lift the whole. It's just like how I love as a donor seeing nonprofits work with other nonprofits because when we benefit one, it benefits the other. Ultimately, the goal is to help everybody. So when we let one rise, it pulls the other one up too. So I just think becoming more aware of the biases we may have, getting better educated around, you know, what are everybody's different experiences? Having those conversations, I think, is a really critical. I think that's something that during these last two years with COVID, through a lot, lots of marches and and awareness brought around through Black Lives Matter, really made us say we really need to be more inclusive. Yeah, well said. Love your passion on that. Well, when I ask more of a personal question now, I like to ask my guests this, and I've asked many of my guests, when it comes to leadership and who shaped you, do you think back over your life, who has been the people or maybe one or two people in particular that have shaped you the most when it comes to your leadership and how have they shaped it specifically? Well, I definitely would say my father. Yeah. I, you know, anybody that knows me, I'm very, very close to my father and he spends a lot of his winter out here and I often accompany him as his date. On yeah, so I love many, it. <laughs> and, and it really has been since I was in college out here, you know, 36 years ago. And I think, you know, him bringing me into situations, introducing me to people that were other leaders in the community, starting to understand the issues. I just, I just see he has always had a foundation, you know, well, not always, but in the last 25 years, he's had a foundation and I see his passion around that. He's always been a really generous person, but to see it evolve at his area of interest, I mean, it actually was kind of surprising that early childhood education, but yet he sat at the board of my, our school for 10 years for, he had four daughters that went to a school back in, in DC and he served on that board. And I think, you know, again, our experiences define our areas of interest. He also has helped establish with the Marriott Corporation, the Bridges Foundation, which is something he spends a ton of time and money on, which helps, um, People with disabilities get secure jobs and it's kind of a win-win, you know, the hotel business and the restaurant business needs people that are reliable workers to do jobs a lot of people may not even want to do. And some people with disabilities, that might be the perfect level of introduction into the workforce and they 
ensure that they can be successful in that job and they mentor them and they train them and they teach them and they fill in when they can't be there and you know anyhow he's established that time and seeing his hands-on work and his passion around that and just his encouragement and also you know we've been raised with the value of I mean, I am very clear on my white privilege. I am very clear on how blessed I've been. And there is no reason behind why that has happened. But I have been given so much. And I have always been raised with the thought of where much is given, much is expected in return. Thanks for sharing that. I've definitely seen firsthand how your grandparents' um, example, your parents' example has passed on to you because I've seen you. Uh, serving and doing things no one else wants to do at different events that we have. And so thank you for living that out and really setting a great example. I have a sense that people may want to connect with you or find out a little bit more about the Marriott Daughters Foundation. How could they uh, connect with you? What's the best way? I think, honestly, if they're really interested in the organization, they should go to the Marriott Daughters website. Um, I think it's marriottdaughtersfoundation.org. You know, we have an office that helps manage people's requests. And, you know, you really have to receive an invitation to be in order to apply. And so the best way to do is just send some information about what you to that email address. Sounds good. Well, Karen, thank you. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for sharing your insights. Thanks for your passion. We want to give back and really help so many nonprofits across the country. Well, thank you for the amazing work you all do. And, you know, one thing I would like to say is, you know, when you look at nonprofits, you look at their leaders. And you see what kind of leadership they have. You look at their board and you see, you know, you look at their finances. These are all things that are important. And that's what our office does all the nitty gritty on. They really take a look at, you know, how is the organization? What is the turnover like? But a lot of that all circles back to who is the leader. And I think having a strong leader is critical for an organization. And Rob, you are an incredibly strong and effective and compassionate leader. And I think when we sense your passion, you know, it grows our passion. And so thank you for all that you do. Hey friends, well, I wanted you to know that this podcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, Google Podcasts, and wherever you listen to other podcasts. I also want to encourage you to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with others. This will actually help us get this great content out to more nonprofit leaders just like you. You can also join the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast community find other resources and interviews of past guests all on my website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. Well, thanks again for listening. And until next time, keep making your world better.